You'd be hotter if you went to therapy. You'd be hotter if you went to therapy. Everyone just remember, you'd be a lot hotter if you went to therapy. You are listening to The Jack Shit Show with Kelsey Henderson. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I had a big fat sleep in today and it felt so good. You know when your body just needs that? Sometimes I forget, I think. Honestly, have a sleep in. Don't set your alarm for one day of the week and just let your body have a catch up. The other day, my girlfriend slept until like noon and the other two of us were like, where is she? Is she dead? Nope, just needed a fucking sleep in because our bodies deserve rest. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm also proud to announce that I think I've got the Zoom volume sorted. Because you're damn right, this one's coming straight at us from another country again. What? Kelsey, how do you get these guests? I know. I just know them. Um, This is my girlfriend, Allie. Alex. Alexandra. I think you're pretty much good as long as you don't call her Lexi. (laughs) Um, No offense to any Lexis listening. She just, it's not her vibe. It's not her vibe. Um, This girl is next level. This And when I say next level, I'm like telling you that I, this is a two-parter, straight up, no joke. We're going to be talking to her again next week. She is such a wealth of knowledge. The girl works for the freaking World Health Organization, the peer net, worldwide peer network of, I can't remember what it's called, but it's coming up. She's going to introduce all of it. Um one of the smartest humans I know when it comes to mental health. And then um, next week, she's purely talking about therapy. So without further ado, the amazing and incredibly smart, you're going to want to take notes. Trust me, Ali Schuster. Like, how are you doing after your crazy year? I'm good. I, yeah, I've been really good, actually. It was a big, like, it was that whole like you know that jk rowling quote everybody says it's like rock bottom that became the foundation, foundation. And it totally i've never related to anything so much in my life i was like it it like was such a huge like wake up call and such a it was like it was a weird year of course to yeah. get back to just like being myself but it's been so good because I like, and I don't know if part of that is like too like coming into my thirties and everybody says like, when you hit your thirties, you kind of just get this, like, fuck it, I'm going like I'm doing. Yeah. And so I think it was like the nice combination of the two that I'm just like, all right, here we go. Go. You're doing well then. And like, life is good. Yeah. Life's good. good. I like, I think I'm hitting a little bit of my pandemic wall, which is like, so I'm due I'm due for it because I feel like everybody's kind of been doing that and I'm just like yeah yeah everything's good we're gonna get all this time and then I've just like over the last couple of days been like because mm. these man it's just like more restrictions more layoffs like it's just crazy oh it's so sucked. it's insane so it's a perfect Dude. time to have this conversation so I'm very excited for it I know I don't know I don't know how are you I'm well I'm doing how long have you well. been in England uh- I've been here now two and a half years. That's kind of similar. Wild. Actually, I actually had a breakup in October. This so, last? Um, this last October. So yeah. I totally relate to you on that front. But like, it was, I'm really lucky. It was a really clean breakup. Good. Yeah. Um, that's nice. But like, I totally relate to like being able to like, kind of like, oh, fuck yeah. Like I'm going now. Like being, it's a weird thing. Almost. I feel sometimes in relationships, I don't want to say I lost myself a bit, but I think mm-hmm. I got so complacent 
that totally you know and it was it's a very like, like uh, a, a very like girl thing to do to like just kind of like get comfy and start like nesting a little bit I think that's oh, yeah. just literally in our DNA like I don't know how if you can change that like <laughs> you just it just starts happening and then you come out of it and you're like okay back at it like oh yeah. I saw this TikTok it made me laugh so hard and it was like um this guy being like, girls really come out of a breakup and start two businesses the next day. And it's like, yeah, you were growing us down. (laughs) It's like, there was a, uh, fuck, what was it? Like an Instagram about that. It was like, girls get out of a breakup and they like graduate from Harvard, start two businesses. Like (laughs) literally, it makes me laugh so hard because even me, like, I'm like, I was working 70 hour weeks straight out of it. I mean, I had to, because I like had nothing when I left uh, my last relationship. And, uh, so I was like working my ass off doing 75 hard. And then I like started this podcast. I'm back on my photography stuff. Like, it's just like, pop, pop, pop. Like you gotta. Also, I really, if you're ever in England, can you please take photos of me? Oh my God, yes, of course. I hate photos of me generally. <gasps> and I love your photography. And like, oh, I love thanks. how you're like, I remember I listened to one of your episodes when you were like, I just took photos from my girlfriend so she could like feel good. And I was like, yeah, I, that resonates. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, I love doing that so much too. And like, I, I like doing it that way because people who know me or like can vibe with me, I'm so like, it's not like a quote unquote professional photo shoot. You know what I mean? Like, it's just fun. Yeah. And then you're like, and then all the scariness of like, and yuckiness of it goes away. And I have no problem being like, dude, put your chin down. And I can see four <laughs> more chins. Like I, like, I'd I rather just, that. I'd rather that than Yeah. It's nothing to do with you as a person. It's just your yeah. angles, bro. Like, I don't know. I love it. I love it. Uh, so yes, hell it. yes. We'll do photos when I come. Fuck yeah. Visit your I sister. Come. God damn it, I know. Kelsey. Well, I was supposed to, we <gasps> all were supposed to come this year, but Oh, we'll wait. We'll wait. Well, if you want a tour of London, let me know. Oh, love to. It's like my love favorite to. thing to do is take people speakeasies and. Oh, I really want to come. As soon as this shit's over, I'm telling you. Oh, dude. I'm telling Get the ya. fuck over here. <laughs> Literally. Okay, so tell me. Tell. Let's start. What are? Give us your. Give us your intro because that's a perfect intro of like. What are you doing in England, Allie? Do you prefer Ali, Alex, or Alexandra? I literally go by everything except for yeah. Alexa, Lexi, or Lex. Like, mo- like in high school, I didn't, have a f- I didn't have a first name. It was Schuster. Like, I literally yeah. go by everything under the sun. So, like, literally whatever suits you best. Okay, perfect. Um, start with, who the fuck are you? Yeah, who <laughs> Why the fuck are you are here? You, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Okay, this is perfect. I'm, I'm trying to know jack shit. Yeah, we're all trying to know jack shit. Jack you shit. do know the most jack shit of on this topic for damn sure. I'll tell you that. Okay, miss. Let's go. Who am I? Who are Who you? I? Why am I talking to you? Why am I here? Why are you meta. here? God, we're going to start Beautiful a breakdown before we even get into mental health. <laughs> so, <laughs> we both um, just have breakdowns <laughs> live on air. <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like my life sometimes is just a constant therapy session with people. It's kind of hilarious. I but like, like I'm so okay with that. <laughs> um, so for those who don't know me, my name is Alexandra Schuster. And um, I guess I'll kind of start with like why I'm super into mental health. So essentially I was a child with mental illness and mental illness is something that has affected my entire life. And to kind of give you an idea of that, 
although I wasn't diagnosed with like, I saw depression, anxiety, and ADHD. And although I wasn't diagnosed with, I didn't get my first diagnosis until I was about nine or 10. I would say I was like, I was experiencing um, depression from like, I think as early as the age of six. Like I Mm. definitely in retrospect, um, mental illness was something that kind of plagued my whole life. Um, And although I'm the first person to admit I'm extremely privileged, like Mm-hmm. Uh, my skin color doesn't affect how I'm treated in the healthcare system. Um, neither does my, um, like I'm cisgendered. Like I have a front came from a good socioeconomic class. My parents are educated in the subject. My mom is a healthcare professional. Despite all those things, it still took me about like 10, 15 years to like really get better and feel good and start to kind of not just survive throughout my life, but thrive. Um, and throughout all that, something that really always struck me was like, I should have it the easiest out of everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm still struggling. And totally. if I'm still struggling, like my mom even told me once, she's like, you may have not gotten help as soon as you have, you did, unless it were for the people I knew. Yeah, And it's so true. And so with that, Um, I always thought like, what about everyone else? Yeah. And that was something that always really struck me. So what happened was um, after I graduated high school, thank God for that. (laughs) um, (laughs) I ended up going to Quest University Canada and I studied neuro. I got a bachelor of arts and sciences and I studied neuroscience and liberal arts. And while I was there, I got involved with a project. Um, At the time, it was called the British Columbia Integrated Youth Services Initiative. And essentially what happened was um, it was essentially a pilot project. So at the time, like mental health services in BC were essentially a disarray, especially for youth. And at the time, there was the opioid epidemic going on, um, a huge rate of youth homelessness. And essentially, a lot of money had been endowed to try and create a one-stop shop for youth mental health, Mm. um, which uh, youth could walk in and they would get their psychiatric appointment, they could see a GP, they could get employment services, social service, et cetera, all under one roof. Mm -hmm. And that eventually turned into Foundry, which is now they have about 20 of them across the province. And so I started, I became a youth advisor on that project. Mm. And I worked with them for about four years I would say three, four years around there. And it was through that, that I kind of realized at the time I was thinking about med school. um, And I realized policy is really a way to close all these systemic gaps that Mm -hmm. I consistently fell through and so many others are falling through. So as a result, I actually decided um, at the time to not go to med school. And I decided to pursue a master's in international health policy at the London School of Economics. So I moved to England, did that. And then graduated um, from the program. And shortly after I actually um, through, I essentially got my first contract working with the WHO. And currently I am a consultant in the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse and I contract for them. So in addition to working at the WHO, I'm also part of the Global Mental Health Peer Network. And what this network does, it's this network of people all around the world with lived experience. And we get together and the goal of the organization is to essentially to voice it's to give individuals lived experience a platform to move the global mental health agenda so i've also gotten really involved in that and that has enabled me to be on quite a few really cool commissions um i was recently on the world psychiatric association and the lancet's commission on depression which was incredible um so it's really enabled me to really get into the field of global mental health 
Shout out to um, the Global Mental Health Peer Network. And I'm currently working on a variety of a really one really specifically cool call, project called a Special Initiative for Mental Health. So that's kind of like my backstory right now and kind of how I got into it and where I am at right now. The actual queen of mental health. <laughs> I got Just casually working for the World Health Organization in England. And Not yet. So actually they're based in Switzerland. Um, oh, yeah. One of the great I live one there. of the great things about moving to the UK was that um enabled me to kind of network in the European area and mm. because the time difference is so small I can easily like contract for people um it's just a lot easier because I really wanted to get into the global mental health field mm-hmm. um because I think with doing a lot of things in Canada I got on like a local and provincial scale but I always wanted to go kind of more global and so totally. it was kind of a really great stepping stone into that just a, just a small stepping stone <laughs> I mean I'm having fun <laughs> I love it I love it. Do you know what's really interesting to me that you said in there was that you think that you like started dealing with mental health issues when you were like six. And I feel like as a whole, as a society, we don't really like put people and like children, children into that category until much later, like, you know, into when you're kind of starting to deal with, like, think that we like, don't, we don't like think of children dealing with mental health, which I find really, really interesting. And I also found it interesting that your mom works in mental health, but didn't recognize you that in you right away, because it's so hard. It's really hard in my opinion, I, to recognize it really close to home, right? Like when somebody, you can notice it on the outside, it's, but you don't, uh, you don't necessarily like relate it back to the people who are closest to you. Do you think though, like, it's interesting. So like one thing I will say about my mom is she Mm -hmm. actually did recognize certain things to me when I was little, she actually took me to psychiatrist Mm. and the psychiatrist told her she was being an anxious mother. Oh yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. So, um, I don't think, I think the depression may have been more retrospectively. Um, and I will admit like I was very good at hiding it. Yeah. I have a lot of perfectionism issues, yeah. but I find it interesting like that people don't recognize in children because t- 75% yeah. of mental illness emerges before the age of 25, 75%. That's insane. And also like, I also, I do agree with you. I think, but I also think sometimes when you're in the thick of mental illness and mm-hmm. say like you either, if you've known someone for so long, you can think, oh, that's just their personality. Totally. Right? We associate the mental illness with the personality or people are very good at masking, especially women are very good at masking their condition, yeah. right? So yeah. masking is this idea that like women especially have to like, will pick up on other cues and kind of learn how to mold themselves so they fit into society, right? right. And that's something that t- people typically do with mental illness. But I also think it is hard to recognize in your own backyard because mm-hmm. when you're, especially if someone's in crisis, you're just kind of managing through it. You don't really have the chance to stop and think, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's so crazy. But the little kid thing like that hits me. That's so bizarre to me. Not bizarre. Just like you don't think of little, little kids having anything. No. Anyways. Hmm. Very interesting. So what what is mental health issues? Like what what do we categorize into that? Like you I'm going to just let you go, sis. (laughs) So let's just start with what's mental. What the fuck is mental health? Yeah, what is (laughs) What are we talking about? 
That's a bigger issue in and of itself, because I think even in the bit of the literature, it's like, actually, if you go into the literature, it's actually quite contested in certain mm-hmm. aspects. And I wouldn't say it's contested majorly, but it's just like, it's such a big deal. Like, I think the World Health Organization states that mental health and well-being is like a state in which an individual like realizes their own abilities and could cope with the stresses of life and like can work productively and like kind of realize themselves like that's definitely not exactly what it says can contribute to their community and some stuff like that and Mm -hmm. then I know like the journal of the world psychiatric association also in like in 2015 like release definition that was like involved it's about a state of internal equilibrium and in yourself and that was like a very interesting way to put it but they included like cognitive social skills and the way I've always kind of thought of mental health it's kind of your ability to there is the ability to kind of like survive and then thrive in life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really your ability to thrive and live harmoniously and being able to get the most out of your life in Mm -hmm. a weird way and not just survive um, through it. Um, So whether that be thriving cognitively, being able to like recognize and like express and moderate your emotions, being able to understand yourself, being able to like, cope with adverse events in life and sustain relationships. Like these are all things that are involved in mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when we get into what is mental health, this is when it gets complicated, right? Because what actually makes up mental health and influences Mm -hmm. mental health, right? And there are some things we can't change. Like there are like there are a variety of things like demographics, um, biological factors, economic situations, environmental events, all these stressors in our lives and all these factors can influence whether we have are more prone to having a mental illness or just having adverse mental health, um, poverty, all these things, um, political situations, who we hang out with. So it is a really complex thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when it gets, this is what it gets to kind of when what is caring for your mental health. But actually, before I even get into that, I'll say then mental, I would say what mental illness is in a case. Mental illnesses essentially are spectrum disorders okay. that affects your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors and your ability to function in daily life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to remember that thoughts, feelings, and behaviors make up the human experience, our individual human experience, right? And so when those things are thrown off, our whole experience and world is thrown off, Mm -hmm. which is terrifying if you think about it. So scary. Um, So these things, these, in a way it goes back to, these are the things that make up the human experience. And these are things we need to really think about complexly and in a way that is in a well-rounded way. So I would say, going back to that, it's really about all these things that are affecting your thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and how we manage them and work through them so we can live a fulfilling life. Um, So then it's all about how do we care for those things and ensure we have good mental health. Well, totally. And, and I think too, yeah, like how do we care for that? And, and how do we make the distinction between, well, we'll get into that maybe. I was going to say, how do you make the, dis- the distinction between, um, mental illness and like mental health and like where, where maybe that, that distinction of like, okay, like I'm just having a bad day or like, but where do you recognize in that, that your, your change needs maybe some extra added little help? So this is where I will preface this by saying I'm not a therapist. I am not a physician. I am not a psychiatrist. Me neither. Me neither. So um, (laughs) 
But what I will say, it's all about, this is when you really have to get to know yourself. Yeah. And if something's wrong, something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And then, so this is kind of when things get a bit tricky, right? Because I think we are, we live in a society in which we are often taught to kind of, there's this whole culture of toxic positivity, which we can get into later. Yeah. But this is when it's really important that you listen to yourself. Totally. If something is wrong and it's been wrong for a while, don't stick it out. Yeah. Don't like mask it, confront it. And yeah. that is terrifying, right? Super scary. Fucking scary shit. Yeah. You and I can both attest to that. I think yeah. we've both had our own mental health issues and, and mm-hmm. I can fully attest to it. it's scary when you have oh, to ask yeah. for help for it. I remember my mom, she put it the best way that you could ever, because we're all, like we said, victims to that toxic positivity kind of mindset and sort of the pull up your boots kind of like we were raised oh, okay. in the nineties, like that we don't talk about these things, just like get it done. And my mom had said to me once, if you're swimming out in the middle of the ocean and you're keeping your head above water, but you're just keeping your head above the water, you're not having fun. You're not swimming Mm -hmm. to swim. You're just like struggling, but your head's above water. So you don't feel like you need help, but someone tosses you the life jacket or the life. uh, What do you call those? The donuts, the donuts. Yeah. Life raft. Isn't it life raft? Life raft. Life jacket. Life jacket, life boat. Mm, life raft. Whatever it is. Anyways, <laughs> if somebody's tossing you something that's going to make your experience out in the ocean a little less stressful, then just take that. I couldn't have said it better than myself. Mom. And knowledge. it is, it's lit. It is literally that it's like someone's throwing you a life raft. You're just like, nah, I'm good. Nah, I don't I'm need good. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, my head's still above water. And it's like, well, but are you having fun? <laughs> are you having a nice time with your head just above water? Or do you want to maybe like grab onto this, grab onto a pool noodle and let's just like go for a Let's swim. just chill for a bit. You know? <laughs> so I, I think, it. yeah. And I think that that's like, that's always been in my head. Like, cause she said that to me when I was like a teenager. And, and I think that's always been in my head of like, you know, instead of just like survive it, like you said, just surviving, why don't you, it's okay. It's okay to ask for the help that you, or accept the help that's being presented to you. It's okay to want to thrive. Totally. And you deserve to thrive. And I think this, when it gets to like how, but how do you thrive? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think people always ask me this all the time. They're like, how do you thrive? And I don't have all the answers. I still struggle um, a lot in yeah. some days. Like I will admit the last few years for me have been some of the best and like, I'm really beginning to manage it. But yeah. I would say it comes down to a few, like having good mental health comes down to learning or manage ourselves, our emotions, our habits and whatever issue, I, I don't want to say issues or adversities or illnesses and learning to manage those things yeah. um, in order to thrive in the world we live in. Right. So, and that involves, again, it involves investing in ourselves totally. and people aren't taught to do that, but you have to be active about it mm-hmm. because a lot of people will just sit there passively, but no, you have to be active and that's scary and takes confidence. Mm-hmm. But once you do it, it's almost like a ball that just keeps on rolling. Um, the thing I always tell people is caring for your own mental health. Think as if you were a toddler or a child, what are the things they need? They need to eat, mm-hmm. sleep and like move in some capacity. Right. Mm-hmm. And something that was t- said to me a while ago was think about your inner child. Like, are you cranky? 
are you hungry? Mm. Are you thirsty? Mm. Are you tired? <laughs> it like literally bringing it down to that. And like, what are totally. our basic needs as humans? And like, don't go overcomplicate it to start with. Like, don't look into your mat. Like, you don't have to go crazy about it, but those are the basics. And if yeah. those are off, you will probably be off. Right. Right. So just starting with that. And then there's all the other things, right? Like relationships, having fruitful relationships and connecting with people, having hobbies that you love and you were able to put yourself into, like you have your podcast, Kelsey, which is rad and your dogs and like mm-hmm. all those things, right? Like I'm currently building a mini bar in my backyard. Love. <laughs> like, oh my God. That's going to be so fun. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. Shout out to Rob Foxel Smith, who is my landlord and friend who enabled, who allowed me to do that. God bless. bless. <laughs> God bless. Um, like being, having time to relax and reflect, but mm-hmm. also having the ability to achieve goals. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause if you're constantly hitting a wall with your goals, it's just going to destroy your confidence, totally. but having something you can work at and then improve on super important and being consistent with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I'm shit at. Do you um, now when you're making your goals, do you find, cause you get both sides of people for goals saying oh, either yeah. make them small enough that you can achieve them. And then you get the people who are saying you're not shooting high enough, like make bigger goals so that you're not like you know, just dumbing yourself, not dumbing yourself down, but you know what I mean? Like really dumbing down your goals. I kind of fall under the category myself of like, make a big goal, but break it into bite-sized pieces so that you're, you're not shooting like way out where you can't achieve, make a big goal, break it down. So I'm the exact same thing as you. My mom used to say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yeah. Small. We, I always say baby bites. Baby bites. Always. It's like, it's the way you got to do it. And like, Mm -hmm. I hate when people are like, oh, like that. I was a kid who was told that I should maybe refocus my goals Mm. and kind of, I had a lot of adults in my life, trusted adults Mm -hmm. um, who said, maybe you should aim lower. And I think that's really problematic Yeah, because I think when you make your goals, make them high. Totally. Make them, but I think it's in those bite-sized chunks that you can make them realistic. Completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree. So it's one of those things. And like these things, I think having those things and those positive things to work towards are so important for us, especially now that we're in a freaking pandemic. Oh, <laughs> fucking pandemic. Bro. I'm Dude. so curious um, as to, because you work in the mental health field, how yeah. have you seen like this sort of past year affect people? Oh God. In so many different ways. Yeah. Um, I think if we're talking, I think there's like individual community and then there's like on a global scale, what's it done for the global mental health movement? Mm-hmm. Um, I think on an individual scale, it's made people really aware of their mental health. Yeah. Completely I've noticed agree. a lot more, a lot more people that I wouldn't have expected just talking about mental health and being like, what can I do to be active about it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's caused a lot of people I know to reach out to me and like reach out to other people I know and really actively think about where they are in their lives. I think actually a big thing has been a lot of people like, cause all of a sudden everything stopped. Right. Yeah. And we were in our house is alone, like some yeah. people alone and we had to think. And I think for a lot of people, they stopped and were like, Oh my God, I'm unhappy with my life. Yes. And I Hopefully. think that was a big deal. Um, so I think it caused in terms of for individuals, I think it caused people to reflect. It caused people to possibly shift their life goals cause people to really be aware of their mental health Mm -hmm. and take steps to solve it. I also think obviously it was 
terrible for the mental health of so many people. It mm-hmm. caused, I definitely had, I had a roller coaster of a ride mm-hmm. um, during all the lockdowns in certain cases, because one moment you're up, one moment you're down, one moment you're banging your head against the wall, being totally. like, get me out of here. <laughs> totally. like, I think so on an individual level, I would say that's what it did mm-hmm. on a community level. I think caused people to kind of come together and also be, I think I would say this kind of goes back to an individual as well, level as well, but be aware of the connections they had in their life. Mm-hmm. Some people I think suddenly realize like, oh, wow, I'm alone. I mm-hmm. need this and be a bit more aware of their needs or like, oh, actually I'm an introvert. I am like holler, like, like I'm good <laughs> in eight weeks, you know? So aware of that on a global level, I think this has actually done so much for the global mental health movement. And I'm not mm. saying that, um, like, I think this was a ter- COVID-19 is a terrible event. Um, and it's like the death of 3 million people. It wasn't worth the death of 3 million people. Totally. So I'm going to preface it by saying that, do I think that of any good that comes out of it, it's caused people to be more aware of their mental health and look at mental health differently and realize, wow, this is an important part of our health. This is the first time in history where we've had an illness on this scale where mental health has been a huge topic. Yeah. Well, and I think it has to be right. And I think that it's so interesting because I, I do agree that it's caused a lot of positive, but it, I think where people, I, I think for myself, especially like where my brain gets confused is that it's done a lot of good, but it's also done so much bad. And you're like, it is literally a roller coaster of like, it's brought people together in the sense of community, but it's also torn people apart because people are so like divided in their opinions of it. And it's, you know, we've really reflected on our mental health, which is great, but also our mental health has taken a huge hit. So I think like, it's the back and forth of it that just gets so confusing and like really it's draining. Oh, hundred percent. And I will Mm. say, I will preface this also like preface everything I said by saying like, I also, cause I work in the mental health field and just do the people like I hang out with. Right. Totally. Like, um, that I haven't seen, like, obviously it's divisive, but I haven't been the face of that also mm-hmm. in England. Cause we're getting out of lockdown. Everyone's like happy go lucky. Yeah. Whereas if you talked to me like three months ago, I would have been like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you whereas like you guys are in the middle of it. Right. And it's yeah. like, when you're in the thick of it, like, it's just like, you're trying to swim through molasses. You're like, get me out. Yes. <laughs> totally. That's exactly what I feel like. Even, even in the last few days, cause I was saying to you before we came on that, yeah. like I've been, I feel like I've been really good. I've been super mm. positive, but I'm hitting a wall and that's where it gets con- like, it's so hard to know how to manage that because it's, like when are we getting you go back into like week one of like when are we getting out of this when can I see my people when can I go do stuff like so it's such a bizarro man this year it's almost kind of like burn it's like this weird like people say like zoom burnout it's almost like a lockdown burnout in a sense totally it's exactly what it is and it's like because we're in this prolonged like and that's what burnout is right burnout is literally like it's like emotional physical mental exhaustion caused Mm -hmm by like a prolonged period of stress. And if you think about it, it's been a year, right? For yeah. a year, especially when it was like the height of the pandemic, like you couldn't even go to a grocery store. I couldn't like stress browse through the aisles of boots. It's like the equivalent of like the shockers, shoppers okay. drug month of the okay. UK. Um, like I couldn't st- like stress browse anymore no. without wearing a mask and freaking out that I was gonna catch a virus. Like yeah. we couldn't do all these things, right? And I think, just kind of realizing that and being like really kind with ourselves about that. I think mm-hmm. in many ways, humans are so resilient 
and like being, it's been, it's, I think, first of all, we have to give ourselves a pat on the back that we've been able to come out of this and some of us are still in it, but we're going to be able to come out of this. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also made us super aware of, okay, how do I, how do I avoid that burnout? Right. How do I, and what do I do when I'm hitting that wall? Yeah. And I know that I, like I, you know, I put up that we were having this conversation so that people could talk to you about it through me. I feel like a medium and, um, and, and thank you. And, um, and I had a lot of people have questions about burnout and just like how to combat that and how to avoid it a little bit. Um, maybe how to make people aware uh, that they're, you know, cause some people are hitting burnout and they live with a partner who d- isn't burning out. And yeah. it's hard to like make people, other people's uh, kind of understand that a little bit. Um, can you just speak on that a little bit? Oh yeah, us? totally. So I think when it comes to burning out, it, so first of all, just be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. If you need to cry, go cry. Like if you need to chill, go chill. If you like be super kind and gentle with yourself and have the compassion and empathy that you would have for a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's obviously it's easier said than done. Like always, it's always easier said than done. (laughs) However, just have that empathy. And, but once you've had that moment to reflect and like reflect on your emotions, how you're feeling, this is when you have to go do something about it. And yeah. that is hard. Yeah. Um, Cause you don't want to get stuck in this like pit of sadness either. Right. Mm-hmm. You need to, we need to acknowledge our emotions and then move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so take a day or however long you need to just chill journal, do something that makes you feel better, whether it be going for a walk or talking with a friend like actually shout out Rowan Siemens. I totally called her the other day crying. Cause I was like, Oh my God, my life. Like literally like we love you. Shout out, Ro. shout out Ro. You can always call Ro for a cry. <laughs> you literally, um, like I called her the other, like call a friend, like do those things. But then after that, after you've had that moment, I think something that's really important to prevent burnout is looking at how you're prioritizing things in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what is giving you energy and what's draining you of energy? What activities are you doing on a day to day that are giving you fulfillment and making you want to get out of bed? And what activities are making you want to hide under the covers? Mm -hmm. That's like a very basic thing you can do, but from that you can start to pick apart. Okay. What are the things that are draining me of energy? What can I cut out right now? And obviously we can't cut out everything, but what can I like put to the back burner so I can focus my energy on where it needs to go? Absolutely. And I also think too, like a little one that we can do, and it just goes back to the goals thing is uh, I talked about this in another episode with Haley Bridges. We did the start your laundry episode. And one of the things she does is when she makes her to-do list, she starts with the smallest things so that your brain can get that dopamine, cross it off, get up and have a shower, go for a 10 minute walk, you know, have a tea instead of a coffee. Maybe like maybe the, Mm -hmm. the caffeine is like fucking with you. Like, you know, whatever that is, start really small if that's what you need to do. And even it's like, celebrate the fact that I got out of bed today. Check. Yeah. I made my bed. Check. Mm -hmm. I like, you know what I mean? Just like celebrate those little things. Absolutely. Right. And I think that takes us really nicely into the toxic positivity talk actually is like, Oh yeah. So much let's talk about toxic positivity. Oh God. What toxic? Can you define that for us? First of all, because I think, Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's you, you go. <laughs> she, she's so, ready. <laughs> oh, I am so ready. And yeah. like, this will come it. in like, interestingly, cause it also comes in like 
how do you ask people for help? And like, Perfect. what do you do when you're comforting someone? So this kind of goes into a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of like, in terms of, okay, like toxic, how can I say this nicely? Like, <laughs> you don't have to be that nice. Everyone who yeah, listens true. to this is so, our friend. We love so everyone. Toxic, so we'll just pro- preface it with a, we love you. But listen up. (laughs) (laughs) So there is this idea that no matter how shitty something is, a person should think on the bright side and Mm -hmm. be positive. Mm -hmm. This is problematic. So it's like this good vibes only like, oh, like just, you know, what's in it? Like trying now, like I'm dying of examples now, but like, well, this I'll even of- use my, I can even use myself as an yeah. example because I know that I do it a lot because I, I, and I don't, I mean, I don't try to do it obviously in a toxic way. And I do try yeah. to like say when I'm struggling and things like that too, and like be really real about oh, yeah. stuff. But I also, I, I do try to keep people like looking on the bright side of things, but there are people who will do it to the point of not listening to you. And I think yeah. that's where the toxicity comes in of it. Right. It's not, it's not, um, Hey, I'm having a bad day. It's not me going, okay, well, like, let's go for a walk. Let's go have a dance party. Like, yeah. let's see how you're feeling. It's you're fine. So everything's fine. <laughs> so that's the thing. Um, it gets, it's when it's the point of invalidation. Mm-hmm. So when I'm thinking of examples, I'm thinking of like, well, like people have it harder than you. Like, you know, like yeah. it's all these things. And I think it's really important to note that just because someone has a harder prop time than you or whatever, doesn't mean your feelings aren't valid mm-hmm. and what you're going through isn't affecting you. Absolutely. Um, and the problem with toxic positivity, especially is it get, can get actually into a bit of gaslighting in yeah. some extremes, right? Because one, it invalidates the emotions of others. It makes people question their own emotions rather mm-hmm. than trust them. And it goes back to like, our emotions are a biological sign, people. Like there's mm-hmm. neurotransmitters firing like left, right, and center that are telling you, I am happy, I am sad. Like I am angry, I am frustrated. And these are signs that our body is telling us and telling us that something's wrong or something's good. And when we are dismissing them, we are literally ignoring those signs. So in using toxic positivity, you are telling someone that they should ignore those signs that something's wrong. Yeah. And then this is a larger issue because then someone will actually just ignore that. They will ignore these signs and they won't rather than pursue them or deal with their emotions or face them or delve deeper into what's actually going on. They'll just ignore it. Yeah. And that's when it gets really problematic. The mm-hmm. second thing about toxic positivity that I think people always forget too, um, is that a person, if you are very toxically positive just for so- to someone and they seek support out, they might never go to you for support again. Yeah. Which is a big one. Yeah. Cause you don't want to be that person. <laughs> you just don't like, want to be that person. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like giving support is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, asking like this kind of, cause I think, um, one of the things we were talking about and one question you asked me, you were, we were talking about like before the podcast was like, someone asked like, how do you hold space for other people without ca- crossing boundaries? Like while still being supportive and like, mm-hmm. how do you comfort others? And yeah. I think which I think is a great question because I think we all yeah. have that question, right? Like it's the, how do you, and, and without it being a mental drain on yourself too, because oh, there's there's the toxic positivity, but there's also toxic negativity. And how do you kind of find that nice middle ground? Okay. So there's so many ways about going about this. So I'll start with just how to like hold space for people. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'll kind of, I'll get into the boundaries a bit after. For sure. So whenever, when I even first entered like mental health advocacy and started doing like policy work and all that, like 
this was like when I was like in my early, like late teens, like early twenties. Um, the thing that was taught to me was listen, validate, refer. Okay. Because unless you are a mental health professional and like this can, and you can use this even if you're just listening to someone, but this is also if it's getting really bad. So totally. when it comes to listening, you're listening without distractions, put your damn phone down. Yeah. I, I kid you not. I was actually once in a therapy appointment. This was like years, years, years ago. Um, where like, I was just trying out a new therapist and I'm pretty yeah. sure she was so distracted the other time. I felt so like, I was like, excuse me. Like yeah, I'm paying you to listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> God damn You're it. Literally my employee right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> God, but like, you have to listen without distractions. Yeah. Um, and if you're a distractible person, I am like kind of just like do whatever you need to do to get it out of your head and tell mm-hmm. that person, like, just give me a second and then sit down chill yeah. with them. Phone away is a big, 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 big important. Huge. One. Yeah. Um, uh, be judgment, non-judgmental, um, really accepting and be empathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to listening a bit, something that, um, a friend actually taught me was that, so usually if someone is about to brain dump on you yes, and it's, cons- it's a consensual brain dump, yep. I will preface that. Yeah. Um, at the end of each spiel that they'll go on, ask, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, there will be something else they want to talk about and there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. And then you don't want to stop and keep asking that question after each spiel until they're like, no, I think that's it. Okay. I like that, that a lot it's isn't it it's a simple thing yeah and I also I I want your opinion on this too because I had heard from a friend one time um it might have actually been one of my exes but they were like do you want to be advised on this or do you want me to listen and I think that that puts a lot of people um like as a listener at an advantage because a lot of us are our immediate um thought or like you know reaction is to advise somebody girls get this a lot more than guys I think because guys right how many times has your girlfriend bitched to you or you've bitched to your boyfriend and they start trying to fix the problem right away and you're like I just need you to fucking listen to me for a second I just want you to tell me you hate this person too and then we can move on so when you go into a brain dump like that to say like right off the hop do you want my advice on this or do you want me to just listen to you and that will save you literal fights with people oh definitely and I think like personally whenever I enter these situations I always go into it first Mm -hmm. depending on what it is if someone's like in like if someone's calmer at first Mm -hmm. I will go into it with that but if someone's not I will just listen Mm -hmm. and then I'll even ask the question after the fact Mm -hmm. because like if especially if someone's so emotional like Mm -hmm. it's sometimes best better just to like get it out like get it out of your system and then let's call talk absolutely sometimes even someone might not know what they need until they've gotten it all out there for sure and I think too it saves you a lot of um like I, I know for me, if I, I just have learned that part of it, like asking that question in probably the last year, two years or having, or having even be the person who needs to do the brain dump saying, yeah. Hey, I need to just like vent. I've oh. just learned that. And man, even as the, when I'm being the listener, if somebody needs to vent, I, my um, automatic is like, I get like triggered by things. I'm like, you got to do this. You got to do that. Like, this is how we're handling this. And like, people don't always want to hear that. It's, it's very and important it's hard, and it right? keeps, and it can keep your nervous system sort of like at a neutral spot. If you know that they just need to vent. Oh yeah, definitely. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to, I will also say it's hard seeing someone you love in pain. Totally. You just want to take their pain away. But sometimes the best thing you can do to take their pain away is listen. Mm-hmm. And then 
on top of that, this is when it gets into the validation aspect. So we have listen, validate, refer. So validation, and this is when it gets back into like the toxic positivity thing. It's right mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what, whether you think they have a right to be upset, angry, whatever, or not, that does not matter. Your mm-hmm. opinion doesn't fucking matter at that shut point. <laughs> Just yeah, shut up. She's like, shut up. What matters <laughs> is that you acknowledge how they are feeling. Mm-hmm. And you can do this. This is so many ways. Like you see, even just saying you seem really upset or I can see you're feeling discouraged or even just repeating back being like, it seems to me like this is how you're feeling. Don't really assume like, yeah. it seems to me this is how you're feeling. And that can just be so, cause the person can be like, yeah, this is how, like they may not have even thought that totally. yet. Um, so those are the things. Um, the next thing, the final thing, and this is, again, it goes back to the asking thing. So normally I would say, how, like what I always ask people, what do you need? Mm -hmm. How can I best support you in this situation? And this is, if you can. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where your boundaries come in. Yeah. And this is when like, you might not be able, you might not have the skills or abilities to help someone and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like that is very okay. Mm -hmm. And the best thing you can say is look, I don't have the skills, resources, and ability to help you at the moment, but let's find you someone who does. Absolutely. So that's the referral aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So then we get into that. Now we can get into boundaries, which is (laughs) so important. Hit me with the boundaries. And then I want to talk to you about where to find people like for referral stuff. That's a big, I know you're going to go off on it, but I, I, you know, I want to make sure too, that like, even if you, you know, you're not somebody that's necessarily struggling with your mental health at the moment, you know, Mm -hmm. if there's people around you, like, okay, like where, what resources can we draw on and things like that? So let's hit boundaries first. Cause that's an important one so important. And I think there's first, like, just like letting people know where you're at. So this actually, I think the lesson, this actually happened with me. I went to a friend, Mm -hmm. I think it was in uni and I was really, really struggling and they kind of just like pushed me off. And that was really Mm -hmm. hurtful. Mm -hmm. I went to another, this was, and then a year later. So I went to another friend. I was like, Hey, I'm really struggling right now. And she told me very bluntly, this is a different friend. She said, look, this is what's going on in my life right now. Mm -hmm. I really want to support you. So this is how I can. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such a loving thing because in that moment, she said, look, like I'm having these issues too, but I want to help you. Mm -hmm. So how can I help you within my limits? And I respected that so much because I will say it like hashtag abandonment issues. Like I just felt so cared for in that moment rather than Mm -hmm. just dropped you know? Yeah, absolutely. Cause that first person may too have had a bunch of stuff going on and oh, they yeah. couldn't, they just couldn't deal, but it's the same thing, different situations, obviously, but it's the same thing as being ghosted, right? Wouldn't you rather have somebody text you and be like, Hey, I'm just not really ready for this than totally. to just drop off the face of the planet. Don't Cause then you know, friends. it's not about you Don't and your anxiety is triggered up the wall. Yeah. Like Christ. Yeah. Um, oh God. But like, literally it was the most loving thing so that's if they come to you and if yep. they ask like hey and this is we can get into this right before talking about professional help because i also think it's important that people know how to seek help in a yes. non-professional setting as well mm-hmm. but so this is if someone comes to you and asks you like hey can i talk to you yeah if someone just goes and starts unloading yeah we've all had that absolutely um, i think it's important this case it depends how severe the situation is mm-hmm. 
et cetera. I think sometimes just wait for a pause yeah, and say, thank them for like letting, thank them that they trusted you to understand and like hear yeah. that information, listen, tell them where their he- your head's at. And again, it goes back to, look, I don't really have the resources to help you a moment or the mental energy or space to help you at the moment. Yeah. Let's find someone who can. Yeah. And again, it's not a reflection on you. It just means you don't have the skills, ability, energy, or et cetera to help that person. Yeah, totally. And you need to not feel guilty about that part of it either. That's Oh, definitely. Well, it goes back to like being healthy, right? And like avoiding burnout. You need to make sure your cup is full. Absolutely. And you cannot help people if you aren't helping yourself. Oh, preach it, baby. Preach. Preach. Literally. Um, so in terms of, I guess we can go into asking people, like, how do you ask for help? Cause I think mm-hmm. it's really important to disseminate that there's getting help in a professional setting, but there's also just like asking for help for your friends for or sure. anybody in your life. Right. And that's scary. And like, even if it's a significant other or someone even that you're close to who doesn't understand mental illness or thinks mental illness is bullshit, mm-hmm. which we all have that one uncle, right? <laughs> we all have many of those, I think. <laughs> Maybe you're not in my circles. I have lots of people who think it's all bullshit. <laughs> but right, that's like, that is a thing though, right? Absolutely. And it's really hard. And I get Getting to be less of, but oh, thank still God, there. Finally. I know. Um, but I think it starts with finding someone you trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would always just go to someone who actually, like, if you are struggling, find someone who obviously isn't super stigmatizing against mental illness. That would be preferable. Someone you trust. Yeah. That's number one. I want to talk to you about my mental health. Do you have the emotional energy and availability to discuss this right now? Yeah, totally. And it shows you that they respect, it shows that person that you respect their boundaries. Mm -hmm. So awesome. Um, and that's just, I think that's a really important thing. And if that person doesn't, again, it's not a reflection on you. It doesn't mean you're beyond help. It doesn't mean you're damaged. I could also go into like a whole spiel on the word damage, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but like there, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything bad about you. It just means mm-hmm. that that person doesn't have the capacity and the resources to help you. Yeah. I think that's an important, like if you need to rewind 15 seconds and listen to Ali say that again, it is not on you. If somebody else doesn't have the mental capacity to, to be where you're at or to help you. They've got their, everybody has their own shit going on. So let's pick another person. It's not about you. It's on them. Don't panic. Don't panic. Stop panicking. Yeah. It's for fine. Everything, everything is going to be fine. We're going to go to the number, number two, next off. And the mental breakdown starts now. <laughs> and cue crying. Oh, um, so then next, after you've like kind of sat them down and if they've given you that permission, um, explain them what's going on. And mm-hmm. this is, this is often the time you might not know exactly what's going, but you either can say, I need help. Or you can say, look, like, this is what I need right now. Mm-hmm. It's okay to tell people what you need. Yeah. It's very okay to tell people what you need. Yeah. Um, again, remind them of their own boundaries. Sometimes there will be a problem so large being like, can you provide me with this support? And if they might not be able to, um, but it's, again, it'll be on usually then redirecting them or it might be, you might just need a listening ear or maybe Mm -hmm. they'll help you find some way that you can get that support. Mm -hmm. If it's um, a significant other, in my experience, someone who is very caring, et cetera, or a friend that you trust, I've had friends who've literally like done research on a ment on when I was really struggling, like hmm. did research on the mental illness themselves. So if you are yeah, that significant other nice. or that support system, like doing research on them and like 
on that and like figuring out how you can support them. But mm-hmm. also you are not a health, mental health professional. So I think if someone is in crisis and when I yeah. in crisis, someone is thinking of harming themselves yeah. um, or others in any capacity yeah. or they feel like they're just spiraling. There's so many ways you can define crisis. I think in that case, it's really important that you seek professional help, Absolutely. which is what we can get into. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So let's talk about that then. How do you go about either you or your, or somebody you have in your bubble yeah. needing help? Where do they go? How do they find that help? What are the resources? Um, like, do you just go straight to a therapist? Do you go like, what's the avenues? Can you walk us through so that a little it, bit? Totally. So this is where it's going to depends disparity. Yeah. Um, so if someone is like having mild to moderate, like, um, like poor mental health, I would say like, and then there's someone in crisis, right? So if someone's mm-hmm. in crisis, if someone's thinking of hurting themselves or others, or is really spiraling, the first thing you could do is call your local mental health line. Okay. And just talk about it. Um, yeah. and sometimes they will have really good resources. It also depends where you're from, right? Yeah. So if you are a youth between the ages of 10 to 25, go to Foundry, go to Foundry anywhere yeah, I'll in BC. Link Foundry. Link Foundry. Um, Foundry's great. great. We love Foundry. We love Foundry. Um, you can um go, so there's a lot of ways you can go about it. Um you can um the Canadian Mental Health Association is also a great place to start. Another place to start, and people always forget this, is your GP. Mm. Your GP. Go to them. Don't lie. Don't yeah. waste your time in them. You're going to have to be honest and state, this is how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes out of 10, they will have some resources for you. They will be able to refer you or they will be able to help you through it or figure out some way of getting professional help. So these are a few avenues just to start. So mm-hmm. you can have... There are local mental health charities. There are crisis lines. There are, um, and also I would like to just put out there, crisis lines aren't always, if you're in crisis, like I've had a few times in my teenage years where I just felt so alone that I just called a crisis line and talked with someone for two hours. Mm. And so I think it's important to have those resources and know that they're there. You can see your GP. Um, I will say, if you go see your GP, don't be afraid of a good diagnosis. Don't be afraid that they'll put you on medication. Yeah. I had a few of those questions come up actually when I was asked, like when people were asking too, like, if you go to your doctor, are they just going to want to put you straight onto medication? Um, so that again, it will really depend on, it will really depend on how, what you're doing. But I think what I want to start off with is there's so much stigma around diagnosis, essential mental diagnosis, because like, if we think about what the medical model was of illness, right? Um, illness, dis- term disease, illness, or disorder classified these physiological deviations from the norm, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like a broken leg and these were right. tangible things. And usually those deviations did not cause a change in our thoughts, feelings, or behaviors, which again, make up the human experience. Mm-hmm. In contrast, and also I will state all those physical deviations, those were free from societal judgments. They were free from stigma, et cetera. In contrast with mental illness, they cause deviations and changes to like thoughts, feelings, behaviors, which are very much regulated Mm -hmm. by social norms, Mm -hmm. right? So there's this, a lot of the time, there's this idea that if I get a diagnosis, it says something bad about me. Right. Um, the thing I definitely had to learn this and everyone has a different way of 
processing this and has their own narrative. Um, if I, when I talk with people with lived experience, my own way of thinking about this is I'm not my depression. Right. I'm not depressed. Like a person with cancer living with cancer is a person before they have cancer. Right. Yeah. I am Alex before I am a person who's living with depression. Right. Right. And so I think remembering that and remembering all these symptoms, like the fact that I had severe social anxiety for a while and was really struggling to fit in, in those cases, that isn't a reflection of who I am. Right. That is my illness. Yeah. And that's okay. And I think separating that. And also when it comes to medication, there's a huge stigma around like being on medication. What does that mean about you? It's for some people, they might need to be on medication for a short time. Some people might need long-term. I'm someone who needs to be on medication um, full time to live a healthy and healthy and happy life. Yeah. It's your pool noodle. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is like, I've had people ask me, they're like, aren't you on like a lot of medication is like, would you tell that to a diabetic? Like, oh, you're on a lot of insulin Absolutely. right now. Yeah. Right. So I think <laughs> a little high on your insulin. <laughs> yeah. But no, literally it sounds so ridiculous um, yeah. when you say it like that. So I oh, think it absolutely does. As long as you are educated and making your decisions for you and with, with your GP, this yeah. is another thing. Um, and we'll, I'll, the next thing I'll go into it, I can talk about like therapy. Cause I think mm-hmm. that's another really great avenue to go into. Yeah. Um, but when you go to your GP or a therapist or anybody, be your own advocate and get educated and collaborate with them. They are the expert, right? Yeah. But you know yourself the most. Yeah. It's the same thing as advocating for your physical health. Like, you know, let's use my chronic hives as an example. I still am like at the doctors all the time trying to figure that out because no one knows what's going on. But why would I not put that same advocacy for my body? My brain is in there. Like I want to fucking get to the bottom of that shit too, you know? And it's, and, and Medicaid, there's no, I had a friend who she got diagnosed very recently with just like, and she had an ADHD uh, diagnosis Mm -hmm. and she was just absolutely heartbroken that they hadn't figured this out sooner because where would her life be now without, you know, if she had known that and if she could have like dealt with that sooner and all these things. And I'm sitting there going, this is fantastic. I'm like, this is great, man. Now you can regulate this and we can like get you on the right path and your brain's going to stop playing all these weird tricks on you. Don't ever be ashamed that you have to take a medication that's so stigmatized. It's so dumb. I've been on antidepressants. I've been on anti-anxiety. Like just because I'm not right now, maybe I need to go back on them. We don't know, <laughs> you know, like, and but I have okay. no, that, that's okay. And, and I too, like, and if you, if you want to, if you're worried about the medication, because I know that for me, like I've, I've definitely had those worries. Cause it is some of the stuff's strong and you don't, you're like, Oh, I don't know if I want to put this on myself, but go to a naturopath too. Cause there's tons of like, I know that for me, that was the way I got off my antidepressants, but that's not going to be the same for Allie. Like she, you know, mm-hmm. so make sure in advocating that you're, you can explore different avenues and find what works for you, but don't be uh, embarrassed or ashamed that you need to go do that. Exactly. Right. And that's the thing. And that's when it comes to collaborating and being your own advocate. And Absolutely. like, it's, it, it's interesting that you talk about your friend and how she kind of had to grieve, like, where would my life have been? Yeah. And I do think that's an important thing to acknowledge because I think there's often, especially in late diagnosis or like once you kind of, I think of diagnosis 
as a way that you are putting, you're almost putting away, it's an avenue to better. So it's like, okay, this is what's kind of going wrong-ish. Yeah. Even though mental illness is spectrum disorders and a lot of them are interrelated. Um, you can be like, okay, how am I going to get better? This is going to kind of give me a starting point. Mm-hmm. And it's, it can be really difficult, right? To look Absolutely. back. Like, like, yeah. If you hadn't, it, if you hadn't had such and such going on in your, in your brain, then maybe you could have gone down such and such a path or, you know, it, it, but it's, you're playing the what if game, which is a dangerous game to play. So dangerous, but don't play. Also (laughs) those experiences are going to shape you and help you in the future as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm not saying it was potentially like for me, like, I'm not saying I, if I would go back, I'd do it all over again and I'd be depressed and I get, um, have depressed. I would, um, go through my depression again, et cetera, et cetera. No, not at all. Yeah. But those things have informed me and have informed the experiences for sure. And the way have helped me inform the way that I walk through life now. Absolutely. And you're such an advocate for other people and such a resource for other people in oh, your, in, <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> oh, thanks. <love. laughs> so, uh. Okay, babies. That's all you're getting this week. It's a big one anyways. You want more? No, you don't. Um, because Allie works for such important people and she's such an important person, for real, um, she did go through this and uh, make sure that she didn't kind of misspeak on anything, especially when it's such a, t- like, a subject where you really want to make sure you're well-worded. There was something she wanted to clarify. So in true Lizzie McGuire fashion, little cartoon Allie is popping up right now to tell you this. I think it's at around 50 minutes and I'm essentially we're talking about um when you're going and seeking help from someone um and I said like if you're in crisis like you should definitely go for help but I also want to kind of preface that by saying um as individuals and friends and family we're not mental health professionals and we can't be expected even if issues are small sometimes to have the tools necessary to help an individual so i think it's all about like it's important um in the moment like after you've listened to them is to refer them to services no matter what um but i think what i meant to say was if that individual in that moment is in crisis and they're thinking of hurting themselves or someone else then they need you need to right away um refer them you need to right away make sure they get those services but if not you can definitely listen and then like take the steps with them if that makes sense it does make sense, Allie. So look out for you and look out for your people and make sure that you tune in next week for part two of this conversation. Um, we're going a little bit deeper into um, professional help. That's kind of her area of expertise. So I know you guys, I put up a vote, but uh, it was pretty tied. And honestly, I'm not putting out a two hour podcast. You guys will kill me. Should be putting up, I should even be splitting this into four maybe. Anyways, um, let's 180 this into have you been watching the gram if you have um you know that i have been uh kind of teasing and putting out i'm gonna do some uh merch for you guys finally we are a small but mighty crew and i just kind of thought it was time to put out a few things i'm gonna do everything pretty made to order uh it should should the keyword be on the website by the end of the week um i'm gonna keep you guys posted on there so if you're not hanging out with us on instagram yet it's at the jack shit show um that's it that's all i love you drink your water 
And remember, you don't know jack shit. And uh, we'll see you next week. I love you. Goodbye. Um, while I still have you here, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for the support. I really appreciate it. I really do love you a lot. And I hope that you are doing okay out there in this wild world. If you're not, feel free to message me anytime. Love you so much. Goodbye.